We're in a series called iMessage, the Gospel of John. If we could have those doors shut in the back, please, that would help out tremendously. Thanks. Children being protected. That really matters to me. Children being protected. They are the little lambs, right? When my kids were very small, Savannah and Devin would ask me and my wife at the time uh, about making sure that when we prayed, we positioned their angels around our house when they went to bed at night. And Savannah at times would say, Dad, did you position angels around our house tonight when you prayed? And I'd say, yeah, good. Are you sure? Yeah, 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 every night. And you know what? Now, as my kids have grown up, I still ask the Lord to have angels around them. All our kids, Dana's kids, my kids, and now grandkids. I have one, and I have another one on the way. Praise the Lord. Amen. I pray for the Lord to put angels around your kids. I pray for the Lord to station angels around our nursery. For Mary had a little lamb who grew up to be a great shepherd of God's sheep. And the gate to the Father and the way to eternal life is through Jesus. The angels of the Lord encamp around us, the Bible says. But with that said, you and I, you and I as a church, are required as under-shepherds. I am an under-shepherd, and every one of us together in this church family, we are required in some way to be a watchman over our church body, over our church family, over the family of faith. And I know, like you, I, like you, want to build up the walls of faith around our kids, build up the walls of spiritual protection around our babies, spiritual protection around our little lambs. I want to tell you, this is so important to us as leaders at LOH that we, we highly value the protection of our little ones, that we have intentionally put policies in place. And maybe you don't know this, but we have also intentionally put people in place here to protect us and for our little lambs all over the LOH church. Shepherding the little ones, protecting the children, watching over our sheep is a core value here. That's the bridge that kind of helps me to share with you as we go back across the millennia to this chapter in the Gospel of John that we're going to look at today, talking about the gateway into safety and protection and life in Jesus. The prophets of Israel, for close to a thousand years, spoke of a promise. The prophets actually spoke of a promised one who would come, and he would shepherd God's people. He would shepherd Israel. And through him, he would shepherd the whole wide world. So that the whole world, the whole world. Guys, God wants the whole world to know about this shepherd. This way to God. One way. A way of safety. One entrance to the one that the Bible promises would be the one who would guide any person into a place of green pastures, quiet streams. One way who is a person who would guide us into the restoration of our mind and our will and our emotions who would guide our paths and feed us and lead us and guard us, so much so that mercy and goodness would surely be following us all the days of our life. Only one entrance. And the message of Christianity is about a person. It's not about a plan. It's not about a place. It's not about a church. It's about 
one person, Jesus. The Word became human. The message became a man. God Himself is the message. And He would come and pitch His tent among us. He, He would light our way. He would be a living temple in a body, a meeting place with God for people. He would be a place where you could sit down and reason together with God at a mercy seat. A little lamb who would grow up to be the great shepherd king that Micah said came from the days of eternity. And to those who would believe, he would be their gate to safety, to a fulfilling life, and into eternity forever with God. Would you join me as we invite this one, one more time? Father, the passion of your heart, the passion of the Holy Spirit, has always been, will always be, to reveal your wonderful Son. The Gospel of John, the I Am statements of this one, who came, lived, served, loved, died, rose again, and is coming again, is the one which we pray all eyes and ears would attend to, that your Holy Spirit would open us up so that we not only could hear, but receive and believe today. I ask you to help me, empower me, Speak through me, speak to me, to us, and build your church and feed your sheep and call people by name to come through the gate. We ask it in that name, Jesus. Amen. Jesus of Nazareth is two years into his ministry when we come to John 10. He's healed the blind man. He said he came to do it for a reason, to bring sight to those who cannot see and take away sight from those who claim that they can see. Did Dustin do a great job presenting that last week or what? Awesome job, Dust. And now we're in John 10 and the contention between Jesus and the spiritual leaders of Israel has intensified, but Jesus is still speaking and in this account that we're going to look at today, Jesus continues to reveal more of himself in spite of the conflict. He continues to reveal more about his enemies, and he continues to reveal more about his true followers. And I'd like us to read it together, so would you again stand with me, and let's read the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 10, verse 7, Therefore Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You may be seated. How many of you are thankful that God has given us his word? His word. I want to review real quickly the I message themes in the gospel of John. We're going to repeat these over and over. The first message in the gospel of John is that Jesus is the message. God didn't give us a plan, principles, and a pathway. He gave us a person. Jesus is the message. The miracles aren't. The miracles are only signposts to him. The miracles aren't the message. The miracles contain the message that lead people to Jesus. Second, the message has been misunderstood and muddied. 
It was misunderstood. It is misunderstood. It was muddied. It is muddied. We've seen this so far, and we will see this misunderstanding intensify. There is a motif of misunderstanding that goes for 21 chapters in the Gospel of John, and what we find is that people who don't get it way don't get it. It's not like they sort of get it. They don't get it at all. And sadly, even those who are closest to him, the farther along they walk with Jesus, who is revealing who he is, they get further and further into a confusion and a misunderstanding, even to the epitome of the time and place in the Garden of Gethsemane, where they all desert him. I wish I had time to talk about the, the humanity of Jesus and what that must have been like for him. But if you study the Gospels, I ask you to hold that close and think about what it would be like to be a person that loved everyone so much, but as you reveal that, you get more distant than close. That was Jesus of Nazareth. The third thing is life is experienced in those who shrink their I am into the I am. That's a theme that we see over and over. Uh, the I message is about my I shrinking and the I am being exalted and me melting into. As we decrease, his life increases. As we get out of the way, God can have his way. And finally, the call to clear up the message is on us. The call to clear up the message to the world is on us, on all of us, all of us. Chapter 9 that Dustin looked at about the light of the world, 8 and 9, we get into chapter 10. The chapter breaks, but the story hasn't. The context is still there. Jesus and the Pharisees are still in contention, and the conflict is rising. The watershed moments are here now. There is a great divide between the life giver and the false shepherd. And the split is intensifying when we come to this conversation Jesus is having in the midst uh, after healing the blind man with the Pharisees. They are, they are intensifying their hostility and hatred in their plot toward him, but Jesus doesn't back down. Jesus keeps coming. He keeps coming. They're in the darkness and they're blind. And Jesus turns up the light. Not for argument's sake. Jesus wasn't looking to be a rabble rouser. He wasn't trying to stir the pot. He was a loving revealer. But when pure love is revealed, all those who love the world more than the word can only respond back with a crown of thorns. Yet Jesus, knowing that, doesn't stop speaking. Why? Because he's speaking for the sake of the sheep. The reason why we are called to stand firm and true, loving but filled with light, is because the sake of the sheep is at stake. Let me give you a couple historical cultural background parts before we actually look at these verses. William Barclay is one of my favorite commentators, and he's talking about Jesus' I am statement about I am the gate. And he's, he's talking about this as being a parable. And, and, and the villages and towns uh, in, 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 in Palestinian culture at the time, the sheep pens were different. Uh, in, the, in the villages and in the towns, the sheep pens were communal. Uh, where all the flocks would come into a shelter at night and they would stay. They would go through a gate and literally stay. And the, and the, and the sheep, the flocks would be protected. They had a, a, a gate that they would lock or a strong door. And there would be a guardian at the gate with a key. And only the shepherd who would walk up to the gate would, would, would have permission to come in because the guardian knew the shepherd. The guardian knew who the true shepherd was, and when the shepherd would come to the gate, the guardian would open it for him. If it was a stranger, he would not unlock the gate. But there were other sheep pens that were not in the village or in the towns, that they were out on the hillsides. Remember when the angel appears to the shepherds, they're out on the hillsides, right? So it's like that. Uh, they didn't return into the village at night. They, had, they would collect on the hillsides, and on these hillsides there would be these sheep pens where they would be enclosed by walls. 
And, and, and in those walls, there would be one opening by which the sheep would come in and they would go out. There wasn't really a door or a gate. There was just a wall. And here's what, the, here's what would literally happen. The shepherd would sleep by, in the gate, in the wall, in the opening, and would lay his body down. Listen. So that when the sheep had gone into the pen at night, the only way they could get out would be going over his body. And so when the, a sheep would come near, it would wake the shepherd up and he would not let them out. Next week we'll talk about the fact that when Jesus, that's what Jesus said when he said, I lay down my life for the sheep. He would like literally lay down at the door. Jesus is using these figures of speech that's very familiar to them all, but they don't understand it at all. They don't get it at all. He's talking about a sheep pen, sheep, a doorway, a gateway, shepherds and gatekeepers and strangers. And so therefore he says, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate and climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The sheep pen. God has always had a real people since the garden. Since the beginning, there have always been people, but God has always had a people within the people. A people, his sheep. Abraham's descendants were not all God's people, but only those of faith through Abraham's steps of faith were known as the people of God, the true sheep of Israel. And they were always kept close and kept safe as they trusted the voice of the one who would speak. They would be kept safely in the pen. The gatekeepers throughout the history of Israel were the godly kings and godly prophets who were anointed by the Holy Spirit to, under God's stewardship, would watch over Israel because the Lord had called them to watch over Israel and God would never slumber nor sleep. His prophets were held accountable to God to protect His people in the covenant as the sheep. The prophets spoke of one who would come to do Yahweh's will, and the sign would be that the Spirit would come upon that one. He would then be known as the shepherd, the true shepherd of Israel. And so Jesus is telling the Pharisees, <laughs> the Father by the Holy Spirit had sent him. God had selected him and empowered him and opened the way for him to speak to the real sheep. And the real sheep were recognizing him. Jesus was saying this in the hearing of the Pharisees that he had a special relationship with God. That he had special access. That he had special favor. And the true connection to the people. In other words, when Jesus of Nazareth went down into the waters of the Jordan, the Holy Spirit came on him. The gatekeeper said, this is the shepherd of Israel. In contrast, Jesus is saying that you are thieves. Kleptos is the word. It means shady stealers. Can you imagine that conflict? Shady stealers. And then he uses the word robbers, which is a more violent, aggressive term. Jesus is speaking of them. In contrast, he is saying, the reason the sheep weren't listening to you, because you as a Pharisee are not given access by the Holy Spirit, the gatekeeper, because your hearts aren't right with God. Verse 4. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize his uh, stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but look, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Hey, sometimes the reason why people don't understand the scriptures, it's not because they're dumb. It's because they don't have a heart leaning toward wanting to know what God says. Verse 7, therefore Jesus said, very truly 
I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That phrase, have life and have it to the full, come in and go out and find pasture, was a very familiar Hebrew phrase. Everybody knew what that meant. The phrase coming in and going out, finding pasture, in the history of Israel, they knew what that meant. They meant that you could live a life unmolested in the Jewish way, describing a life that was absolutely safe and secure under Yahweh's hand, going in, going out. Wouldn't it be something to know that your life was under Yahweh's hand? That you could go in, that you could go out, that you could navigate your life without fear of going the wrong way, without uh, concern that you would miss the mark, that you wouldn't have to shepherd yourself but you'd be under Yahweh's hand and he would be shepherding you. What a, what a promise Jesus is making. A place of perfect security. Now I want to share something new with you today that you may not have heard before. When the passage where he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, many times, and, and probably most of the time you've ever heard that, someone's talking about the devil, right? The devil comes. Well, it doesn't say the devil. It says the thief. And although the devil is a thief, someone say, he, he is, he's got some of my stuff. Raise your hand. <laughs> How did he get it? The thief in this text is not the devil. To be pinpoint accurate, Jesus is calling the religious leaders of Israel people who have come to steal, kill, and destroy. See, you blame the devil, no one's going to get mad at you. But if you stayed in the face of the people that their national and spiritual leaders who are shepherding them are actually stealing from them, killing them and annihilating them in the name of the God of Israel... That will get you killed. And that's what he was saying. They had taken the life and the love out of the life of Israel. They tied heavy burdens on the people and wouldn't lift a finger to help them. They had lost the meaning of the scriptures. They were distant from the author. And it was because what Jesus said in John 5, you do not have the love of God in your heart. You're leading, but you don't love. You don't love God and you love the people. And so the gatekeeper does not recognize your authority. Therefore, the entryway into the kingdom manifestations are closed to you. That will get you in trouble. In trouble. There's a story about a Scotch traveler who was in Israel. He changed his clothes, and he was trying to steal the sheep away from their shepherd. And so he called to them in the clothing of a shepherd, but they didn't follow because the sheep didn't follow clothing. They follow a voice. The sheep don't follow appearances. They follow a voice. The sheep, the sheep don't follow appearances. They follow a voice. During World War I, some soldiers tried to steal a flock of sheep from a hillside near Jerusalem. And the sleeping shepherd woke up to find his flock being driven off. And he was one person. He could not recapture them by force because it was some soldiers who had more power than he. But so what he did to get his flock back was he gave them his distinctive call with his voice. That's what Jesus says he does. <clears throat> and there is no demonic army or power that can hold a person in bondage if, more than anything else, they want to follow the voice of Jesus. <clears throat> Let's talk for a minute about the gate. 
the Jesus gate. He said, I am the gate for the sheep. The Jesus gate, very unique, very distinctive. First of all, the Jesus gate is the only entrance to God the Father. God the Father, the Father. The only entrance to God the Father is through the Jesus gate. Today in the world, there is a very pervasive, sad truth that the world in, the, in their souls is a fatherless world. And we see the fruit of the fatherless influence throughout the world. An orphan spirit, an angry spirit in the world. And Jesus came to bring us back to a place of healing. And healing comes when we are surrounded in the knowledge that God doesn't just love populations, as A.W. Tozer says. God doesn't just love masses, as A.W. Tozer said. He goes on to say, God loves individuals. God loves men. God loves women. God loves people. How do we enter into this gate? Through Jesus alone? There are people who say they believe in a God. But there are is a belief in a God, and then there is being absorbed into the reality, the Father heart that created your heart and my heart to be healed in the love of that Father. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me. And when we give our lives in trust to Jesus and walk through the Jesus gate by faith, we will find out what has always been, that the Father had a perfect plan to adopt us to become His beloved children and love us with the same tremendous love that cascades down upon Jesus all the time. We inherit that same love for us from the same Father. Jesus came from the heart of the Father to call us by name and bring us back into the heart of the Father. That is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only through the Jesus gate. The Jesus gate, the only entrance to salvation. I was walking through the sanctuary on Thursday morning, and I was thinking about this part. And I was trying to listen, and this is what I heard. I was trying to listen, and this is what I heard. I want to share with you what I heard. I think it was from the Lord. And this is what I think the Lord said. If you're hung up on the statement that Jesus is the only way, maybe you should be thankful that there even is a way. Let me say it again. For all of those who think we are to judge God on the basis of how many ways he didn't make, we need to remember something. We don't deserve one. We don't deserve one, not even one. Isaiah said, there is no one who always does what is right. All have deliberately wandered from God and become depraved and unfit. Our words release a stench like the smell of death. Deceitful lies roll off our tongues like the venom of a viper dripping from its lips. Bitter profanity flows from our mouths only meant to cut and harm. We release ruin and misery everywhere we go. We have shut our eyes to the awe-inspiring God. Hung up over the fact that there's only one way, we ought to be thankful that God has even given us a way. 
Paul says we are all guilty of falling headlong from the persuasive by the persuasive passions of the world. We have obeyed the impulses to follow perverse thoughts motivated by the dark powers of Satan himself. But God, who is rich in mercy, loving us even when we were in such state, sent his son, his son. If you send your son, you win the argument. And if you send a plan, a philosophy, a practice, an eightfold path, maybe we can debate it. But when you send your son to be tormented and whipped and abused and beaten for people that didn't even care, you win the day. Like he said. The Jesus gate is the only way to salvation. Let's thank God that there is a way. Why don't we thank God there is a way? I said, why don't we thank God there is a way? I don't know about you, but I needed a way. I'll tell you what, I still need a way. I need a way. I need a way. And finally, he says that he's the only entrance to true life. Real life. I have come that you might have zoe. That means super abundance of a thing. Of a quality of life. How do you have zoe? Well, it's about being led and it's about being fed. We are what we follow and we are what we eat. We are what we don't follow and what we don't eat. And the way to a superabundant life is through being led and fed. Jesus said, I call you by name. I lead you out into places of pasture for you to eat. Jesus claimed to be the only gate. Only through him can people enter through the door of salvation, just as only through the gate of the sheepfold can sheep enter the safety of their pen. Why... Who do Christians think they are to tell Buddhists and Hindus and Muslims and others that there's only one way to heaven, says the pluralist of our day? Well, that's what the Pharisees said. They said, by what authority do you make such claims? You know what he answered them? He didn't answer them. He told them something that, again, they misunderstood. Why? Who gave you the right and the authority to make these claims about yourself? He said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it again. You know what they said? It took 40, see they didn't get it, 46 years, and it's still not finished. And you're going to raise it up in three days? And you know what he didn't say? He didn't go, well, let me clarify that for you. Let me, I'm talking about my, he didn't even answer them. He didn't even answer them. <clears throat> what Jesus is saying is, when I come back to life after you kill me, and I'm alive forevermore, my I am statements will be validated, will be put into effect so that through the millennia to come, thousands and thousands of years in the future, there will be people in Iran and people in Saudi Arabia and people on Moss Avenue who will believe the I am the gate and come in and experience the same power that raised me from the dead and experience the same feeding that John and James and Peter and the people of the first century knew with the same security, security because the I am is the I am, not the I was. He's alive. The founders of every religion, Tim Keller said, basically say this, I am a prophet who's come to help you find God. But Jesus is the only one who came and said, I am God and I've come to find you. He's willing to stand solid on this for me and you, even if it costs him his death, because he loves us too much to back off. Why do we back down? It's because we love ourselves more than we love Jesus. And we love ourselves more than we love people. And so we dim the light because we love the praises of men more than the praises of God. Two questions as we sum this up today. One, how could we clear this up for the unbeliever if we weren't able to use Bible verses? Ever thought of that? 
I've been thinking about that a lot with this I am message. Jesus didn't come and give Bible verses. He came and revealed himself. The word was in flesh. You know, when, when, as somebody who, is, who has watched Christianity, and I'm not just bashing, but there is a true valid argument by many. We have muddied and made the message unclear, chasing miracles and signs and wonders, and eating the wrong kind of diet, not looking any more happy necessarily in general than anybody else in the world. When we say, are we, are we manifesting the reality that when we feed off Jesus, we'll never hunger for anything or thirst for anything? That we're walking in the light and not in the darkness? And the world says, what? And they say, well, well I don't know if I believe it. Well, the Bible says so. Well, I don't know about the Bible. I'm just looking at your... your How could we clear this up for the unbeliever if we... If, if we weren't able to use Bible verses, that Jesus is the only way. Well, if we follow his leading by his voice, God will create, if we follow his voice, God will create moments in the pathway with people so that he can make himself real to them. That's how, because Jesus is the prover. Jesus validates himself by the power of the spirit of truth that witnesses inside somebody's conscience. Arguments never win the day. As much as I love apologetics, what usually happens at the end of an apologetic debate is the people that believe the one guy still believe and the people that believe the other guy still believe. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to get into that because I like to watch it all. I love that stuff. But you know what? Most people, has Richard Dawkins, Dawkins converted? Uh, just, just a question. And as Ravi Zacharias said, oh, I didn't realize I was so wrong. Following his voice. Another way is the diet will show. What we long for, what we pursue and don't pursue, the fruit of all those things the Spirit can use to prove to people the I am statements are true. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I'm going to close in a minute. My minutes are longer than yours, but I'm going to try. <clears throat> I, I wrote this down for me, and I know you, for you too. Do you have any gate problems? There are lots of gate problems, and I'd love to name 15 of them, but one of the main gate problems uh, generally is fear. A gate problem is fear. There's people come to a point of walking through a gate, and it's like, hmm. Fear. Um, we struggle with this. I wrote this down. Don't be afraid of giving your whole life to Jesus. I used to be afraid. I'd give him, I, 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 wanted, I wanted whole salvation, but I wasn't too sure that I wanted to give my whole life. I said I did, but when it come down to it, did you, ever, did you ever think this? If I say, Lord, I give you everything, he's going he's gonna to think that means your money. I'll say it over here. That, if you're a teenager and you say, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to whatever you say, then you actually think he might become the one that decides who you date and who you don't. Or maybe that you might have to break up with the one you are. Not your marriage. Because there are some wackos saying that. Oh, God told me not to be married to you anymore. Well, well yeah. That's not in the scriptures, by the way. Um, We, if we're afraid of trusting Jesus with everything, it shows that we don't know him the way he really is. I have come that you might have life and experience it in fullness. Okay? So that means the one who said that also said, you know what I'll do for I will lay my life down. I will allow these people to kill me over this for you. Anybody who's willing to die for you and you know they have their fa mental faculties pretty lined up right, you can probably trust them. Greater love has no one than this that a person would be willing to lay down their life for 
their friend. You stand at the gate about your life, Lord, I want to give my everything to you, but if I give you everything, you're going to ask for everything, and that's where it's going to get complicated because I have a lot of insecurities. I, and a lot of my securities are in my everythings. A lot of my securities are in my everythings. And I don't know what to do if I give you this thing that has been my security that you're pointing at. You know what that requires? That requires trust. And you know what people do in place of trust? They go to different churches. They find a church or a gospel that fits their world where they can be God and keep a Jesus club card in their pocket that they, that they convince themselves will get them to heaven. And the world goes, what? What? Don't be afraid of giving your whole life to Jesus. He adds life, and the only thing he takes away are the things that aren't truly good for us. Don't be afraid of stepping out in faith when navigating your future if you are somebody that's willing to listen to Jesus about anything in your future. You can go out and in with full confidence if at any moment Jesus can say, nope, left. Yes, keep going. Yeah, but mama said. But our church said. Amy Carmichael said it's a safe thing to trust him to fulfill the desires that he's created in your heart. As he leads, follow. I'm going to say this too. Don't be afraid of sheep pens. God made them. Get closer to the sheep. There's safety in being close to the sheep. A sheep pen is a church. My passion is from the cradle to preschool, through preschool, to adolescence, teen years, young adulthood, career pursuits, dates and mates, Storms, all ages, all challenges. Even when you're gray-haired and you're vigorous still, or when you're gray-haired and you're creaky. <laughs> a sheep pen to go in and out of in faithfulness and loyalty to brothers and sisters. Don't be afraid to get close, because if you go it alone, you're going to get in big trouble. I'll say it again, gospel according to me. If you go it alone, you're going to get in big trouble. If you go it alone, you're going to get in big trouble because you don't know what you don't know. Christ calls us to melt into him, and he calls us to melt into one another. I am so happy that the ladies got together Friday night, and it wasn't something that I came up with. Praise the living God. Guys are still waiting on me to come up with something. Get a life. <laughs> hey, Pastor Tim, I got a great idea. Can you do that? Nope. I'm doing that. What God called me to do. We'll scan. We'll Edit that from the live stream. <clears throat> I'm so happy that the ladies got together Friday night. I heard it was like 60 plus. Fireside chat and chew. I don't know what they were chewing, but I heard it was good. Uh, friendship, word from God, worship, prayer, deep, 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 deep stuff. Don't be afraid of sheep pens. Save your life. I'm going to give, I'm going to close now. What'd you say, Dustin? You'll preach it better in the second service? I've had a few visions in my life from the Lord. I'm going to share one of them with you now. 
I had three visions from God in the early days of my ministry. One was during my Bible college years. It was about the coming of the Lord. And one was as a youth pastor in Midlothian, Maryland, right up by the Frostburg State University. One was in between pastoring, and I'll share that one next week. And one a few years ago about the coming Great Awakening. When I was a youth pastor at Trinity Assembly of God in Midlothian in 1990, it was a Sunday night, I was sitting on the platform. Savannah, who was going to have a baby, was a baby. Devin had not been born. Nate Sally was in my youth group. His dad was our pastor and my mentor. I was sitting on the right side of the platform. I had my eyes closed, and we were having an altar time. And I saw myself following Jesus on this narrow path. And the whole path was filled with flooded with light. And Jesus was right in front of me. My youth group of a massive 20 kids were walking behind me. And hundreds of people were behind them. And I was following Jesus. And all my youth were following behind me on this very well-lit path. And I noticed that Jesus kept turning around with a very concerned look on it. Are you listening? Jesus kept turning around with a very concerned look on his face. Great concern. And he kept saying this over and over. Stay close to me. Stay close to me. And then I looked to the left and the right off the path, and I was gripped by what I saw. I saw what the Bible calls outer darkness. I saw what was the darkest dark, I, I, I can't even describe, a darkness that was so dark you could feel it. And the people that were following behind Jesus and behind me, kids in my youth, kids in my youth group that I knew, and people that I didn't know, kept listening to voices calling to them out of that deep darkness to come out into it with them, to come out into it with them. And that's why I understood Jesus had this look that kept saying, stay close to me. Stay close. Most did. But then I saw something that I can see it right now. It was a Sunday night in the winter. I'm watching this with my eyes closed. And I saw a couple kids from my youth group. I saw people I didn't know. They could not resist the voice in the darkness and off they went. And what I know, and this is what I want to say, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I am telling you what I believe God is saying. When they went out into the darkness... They were completely gone. And I remember being a youth pastor thinking I wanted to go look for them, but I realized I wouldn't have the first clue where to look because the darkness swallowed them up completely and you would never even know how to even find them. And Jesus was so concerned saying, stay close to me because the darkness had such power to make a person that went off the track to be completely gone. It struck me. You would have no idea where to even begin to search. And it built a beginning of a strong shepherding heart in me. Jesus has the same concern for every single person that's on the path today. There is great, listen, you say, Tim, do you, believe in, uh, do you believe in eternal security? Absolutely, I do. I believe in the eternal security of people who follow the voice of Jesus. And I also believe in the, in, in the, in the, in the compelling siren sound of the dark prince that can bait people off the path who begin to distance how close they are to the Lord. I want everybody to stand, please, and I want you to pray this prayer with me in your heart. 
It's an iMessage prayer melt. It's an iMessage prayer melt into the I am. Lord, it comes from the Psalms. David, Lord, direct me throughout my journey so I can experience your plans for my life. Reveal the life paths that are pleasing to you. Escort me along the way. Take me by the hand and teach me. For you are the God of my increasing salvation, and I have wrapped my heart into yours. I want to open the altars for those of you that when I shared that vision, God said to you, you're not close enough to me. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would be gripped with two things. Gripped with the, the reality of how passionate you are to secure us, to guide us, to feed us, to save us, to lead us, and to keep us. But also gripped with a conviction that the darkness is dark, the compulsion is powerful, and it speaks to the deceptive DNA inside the soul even of this pastor. And that we who follow Jesus at a distance are very vulnerable to the power of that darkness. And I pray today that a mighty, mighty move of your spirit would break down any argument or any offense or any deceptive voice and draw people into great security, into a place of a melt into the I am and a powerful a powerful decision to really break the vow of intentionally listening for the right bargain price coming from the dark powers. Break it by the power of the blood of Jesus, the name of the Lord, who is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Lord, may the one who has shed blood by breaking the law of God flee into the city of refuge where the priest lives and can keep them from the murderous spirits of the dark. Bring them in. Bring them home. From the east and the west, the north and the south. Bring them out of Babylon into the place where the temple of the Lord is glorious. And we pray it now in Jesus' name. Don't miss it. Don't hesitate. Don't waver between two opinions. Run close to the shepherd. Run into the city of refuge and be safe in the arms of the Lord.